Well, good morning, everybody. What an honor it is to bring the word of God to you this morning. I am so excited. I'm so excited because I'm preaching from John chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I know I always say that when I get up here. Oh, Romans 8. Oh, it was my favorite chapter. Or, you know, I have a lot of favorite chapters in the Bible. But John chapter 6 is just an amazing um, scripture and that God has put on my heart. So I feel that, it, that, that God wants to speak to us corporately about a few things this morning. And so um, why don't you take your Bibles and open to John chapter 6. We're going to start reading from verse 63. John chapter 6, starting at verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who these were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to to me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back. Now, I want us to just underline that just for a minute. After he said these things, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to walk away as well? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Son of God. So as I'm reading this, preparing to preach from this, these particular few verses, I thought like, what did Jesus say to these followers that made them want to leave? What did he say that so offended them that they didn't want to follow him anymore. So this led me back to the beginning of the chapter. Now the beginning of this chapter 6 is where Jesus, remember Jesus feeds the 5,000. Performs this fantastic miracle. In fact, it's the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. He takes five loaves of bread and two fish and he prays and he multiplies them and he feeds 5,000 men. Now that's 5,000 men. Remember, there's women and children along with him. The summer we're speaking on a theme called Going with the Gospel. And I really feel that, that this scripture this morning is going to help us to go deeper with Jesus so that we can go with the gospel feeling secure in our walk with him, feeling secure that we will not be like these followers that walked away. You know, Jesus was more interested in the truth than he was about the numbers. So the first point I'd like to make is seeing is not believing. So I'd like to uh, start off. This is the audience participation part of my message this morning. So what I'd like us to do is um, I've got a couple of uh, little props here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up for you. And what I'd like us to do is, um, well, I'll just show you, okay? There's two fish here I've got, all right? So I want you to raise your 
right hand if you think the white fish is bigger. And then raise your left hand if you think that the black fish is bigger. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Which is bigger? All right. Now, which one is bigger now? Which fish is bigger? You got your other hand up? All right. Now, which one is bigger? How about now? Check this out. Both fish are exactly the same size. Isn't that amazing? You see, we can see, but sometimes we don't believe. It could be right in front of us, but we don't see it. I'd like to talk specifically to the men here this morning. All, and and mostly the men. I'm sure there's some women here as well. But there's a universal issue that all men have. Sometimes we can't find something that's right in front of us. (laughs) Is that not true? And I'll give you an example. Now, I like making, I like eating my scrambled eggs in this morning. And I like eating my scrambled eggs with ketchup. I can't eat scrambled eggs without ketchup. I can eat almost every other type of egg without ketchup, but for some reason, scrambled eggs need ketchup. So I made these wonderful scrambled eggs, and I'm about to eat them, and I'm looking for the ketchup. I can't find the ketchup. I look in the fridge. I go over. I look in the cupboard. I look on the counter. I can't find the ketchup anywhere. So I'm thinking, hmm, where could that ketchup be? I know, we have, I know what. I know if Linda knows if we have ketchup. I get on the phone and I call her at work. (laughs) Linda, do we have ketchup? Of course we have ketchup, Dale. I said, well, where is it? I've looked everywhere for it. She says, well, go to the fridge. I go to the fridge. Open the door. I open the door. Look in the right-hand side of the door, second shelf down. I look and guess what? Staring me right in the face (laughs) is the ketchup. I'm telling you. We can see, but we don't always believe. So, that's my ketchup story. Anyways, um, what I'd like us to do is, to get a bit of context on this scripture, uh, we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to read some verses at the beginning of chapter John. So let's go back to, uh, while you're in your, in your uh, uh, John chapter 6, let's look at verse, starting at verse 11. I'm going to go through and read some uh, verses here to us. It says in verse 11, starting in verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Verse 14, when the people, now keep it, whenever I say see or seen, I just want us to highlight that in our minds, okay? When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him and force, to force him to be a king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. Verse 19. <clears throat> and when they had rowed, now this is the disciples, Jesus sent them, when, they, when, they, when he felt that uh, they were going to make him king, force him to make him king, he sent his disciples across to Capernaum on the Capernaum in their boats across the lake. He went up into a mountain to pray. So, 
When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because the si- that you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And that's what the crowd did with Jesus. They saw him, but they were spiritually blind. That was the first problem this crowd had, was they had spiritual blindness. They saw him and they did not believe. What did they see? What did they see in Jesus? You know, they saw a man who was a great teacher. They could listen to him for hours. They saw a man who could draw a crowd. 5,000 plus, 5,000 men plus, maybe as many as 15,000 people. Have you ever been to the MTS Center at a hockey game or something? You know what 15,000 people looks like. And here's Jesus commanding a crowd. They're following him of 15,000 people. And this is before Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn. This was word of mouthogram. They heard about this wonderful man who could teach and do all these wonderful things, heal and and feed 5,000 plus people. We are told in verse 15 that they wanted to take him and they wanted to make him a king. Why did they want to take him and make him a king? Because they wanted to have him do what they wanted him to do. He could go on and be a great speaker and unite a nation. He could go on and draw a crowd. He could mobilize an army if they could only have him as their king. They could take him to Rome and defeat the Romans. But they only wanted him to feed their bellies and to defeat the Romans and to set up his kingdom here. All they saw was what Jesus could do for them. They did not see him for who he really was. Otherwise, they would have asked him, how can we serve you rather than how can you serve me? You see, Jesus by his acts, you can see Jesus by his acts, but not really believe who he really is. They are only seeing Jesus with their natural eyes, looking at natural things. And Jesus is trying to get them to see spiritual things, the spiritual side, what he really came for, what his real purpose is, what his real plan is for them. Three times prior in John's gospel, we see Jesus trying to get spiritual truths across to people. For instance, in John chapter 2, after he overturns the tables, He says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. What? It took 46 years to build this temple. 
What do you mean you're going to build it in three days? Now, wouldn't that be awesome if we could build our new facility in three days? (laughs) Jesus, do it. Yes, that'd be amazing. But they didn't see what Jesus was really driving at. He was talking about his own body. When you put me to death, I have the power to raise myself up in three days. They didn't see it. They heard him, but they didn't see it. John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night and saying, you are a great rabbi and a great teacher. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. What? Born again? Now, I know we've all heard this term born again, but imagine hearing that word for the very first time. Nicodemus is hearing the word born, the words born again for the very first time. How? How can I be born? I was born once. Can I enter into my mother's womb a second time? No, Nicodemus, you're not seeing what I, the, the real spiritual meaning here, the real spiritual truth. And then we go into John chapter four. We see the woman at the well. You all know that story. Jesus is sitting there after a long journey. A Samaritan woman comes to meet Jesus. She sits down. She says, I, you have no, nothing to draw water with. So if you just drink from me, you will never thirst again. She says, give me this water, Jesus. She saw and she believed. She went back to her village and brought her whole village out and they all got saved. Spiritual blindness can lead to spiritual hunger. And that was these followers' second problem. Now, I have a, a little, uh, you may have thought this was communion here, um, but I actually brought another little uh, lesson, object lesson here. I brought some loaves of bread. Imagine that, eh? Loaves of bread. I've got five loaves of bread here. Oh, and two fish. Mmm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Don't worry, I, I, you know, I think there might be enough here to feed us all. Not 5,000, but maybe. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to show you these, these breads here. And boy, do they smell good. Mm. Oh, I love bread. Do you guys love bread? Bread is like, that's my weakness. I'm sorry. But anyways, I just had to get these. The Lord put this on my heart to, to show this. But what I really want to show you is what these breads represent. Okay? Bread could represent relationship. Right? Bread could represent success. Bread could also represent religion. Maybe bread represents doing good things, being a good person. Maybe bread represents entertainment. Jesus said, eat this bread and you will die. You can't live on this bread alone. Right? Eat this bread and you will die. Now, there's nothing wrong with success. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. But we can't get our nutrition from this. This will not do it for us. Jesus faced off in the wilderness after 40 days with with the enemy of our souls. And the enemy came to him and said, after 40 days, you must be hungry, Jesus. You must be starving. You've just fasted and prayed for 40 days. Surely you can take this rock and turn it into a piece of bread and satisfy yourself. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus got it. See, things can keep us distracted. Other things can keep us satisfied. There's all kinds of other breads that we can go to more than this. There's the bread, there could be the bread of affluence. There could be the bread of independence. There could be the bread of culture or accomplishments. These are the other kinds of breads that can keep us distracted from what's really important, and that is your soul. What are you hungry for? Now, I love to eat, and I also love to prepare meals before I eat. I love to sit down and make a nice meal and go through the process and then eat that meal. And it's like, after I eat, I'm going, oh, I'm so full now. Oh, I can't possibly eat for like ever. I got the meat sweats. I'm just dying here. But guess what? Four or five hours later, you're hungry again. Isn't that true? We need food. We need it to continually feed us and and give us the strength we need. And I also love going to Home Depot. How many love to go to Home Depot? I love going, looking at the tools and thinking what I can build next. What can I do next around the house? But you know, they make you go through Subway at the end. (laughs) And you walk through Subway and you smell that bread and you look at those fresh vegetables all before you and all the choices on the menu you have. And there's all kinds of choices we have. There's all kinds of religious choices we can make. Do you realize there's estimated that there's over 4,000 different religions in the world today? They're all counterfeits. They're all seeking to satisfy what is in us, trying to make us happy. I'll go for this religion. I'll go for that one. This is the one I'm going to go for. How do we know out of those 4,200 religions approximately in the world today, which one is right? Talk about choices. Look what Jesus says in verse 51. Jesus said this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him give for the life of the world is my flesh he took it all and he put it on that cross for us he took what we deserve the sins that we've committed the rebellion that we have in our hearts and he took it and he put it on that cross so that we could live forever that's the sacrifice that Jesus made for us only his bread can truly satisfy us Jesus tells his followers in chapter 6 in verse 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, and 58. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You think he's trying to emphasize something here after saying it all those times? I believe so. Unless we fully put our lives in his hands and depend on him like we depend on food and water, unless we depend on him, we will die eating this bread. The Son of Man came into the world not to give bread, 
but to be bread. But we keep returning to the bread of success, the bread of religion, the bread of culture, maybe the bread of pornography or alcohol, things to distract us, things to keep us from the truth. And these followers found it too hard, the things that Jesus was saying, and that's why they left. Oh, I want you to do what I want, and you're calling me into this relationship to eat your your body and drink your blood. For Jesus, eating is believing. Drinking is believing. Most of these followers met Jesus, but they didn't really believe him. They only wanted what Jesus could provide from them. And millions of people today, that's what they're looking for. They think Jesus is a man of morals. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. Listen to what a few contemporary voices say about Jesus uh, today in our culture. John Lennon said this, I believe in God but not as one thing, not as an old man in the sky. I believe that he was what people called God, and it's something in all of us. The Dalai Lama said this about Jesus. Jesus Christ also lived in previous lives, he said. So you see, he reached a higher, higher state as an enlightened person through Buddhist practice or something like that. Brad Pitt said this about Jesus I didn't understand this idea of God and who God says he is. You have to acknowledge me. You have to say that I'm the best and then I will give you eternal happiness. If you don't want, if, if, you, if you don't, then you don't get it. It seemed to be all about ego, Brad Pitt said. I can't see a God operating for, for, from ego, so it made no sense to me and he walked away. There's, a, there's a, an American director named Mark Miller. Maybe you've heard of this guy. He's directed other... Anyways, he's making a new series for Netflix. It's going to be called American Jesus. It follows a 12-year-old boy who suddenly discovers he's returned as Jesus Christ. He can turn water into wine. He can make the crippled walk and perhaps even raise the dead. Many Christians today even make Jesus out to be a cosmic bellhop, delivering blessings and solving all their problems. Theirs is the Jesus of the name it and claim it, the prosperity gospel. Others have strong convictions about social justice, making Jesus in their liking. The lesson for us today is that we and we're tempted to make Jesus into our image. We need to see Jesus clearly in a clear, balanced, and biblical way. Don't look at the bread. Look to the bread of life. Amen? I'm thinking of this, um, uh, this celebrity chef you've all heard. He just recently committed suicide, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I love watching his show. I mean, boy, did he live an enviable lifestyle. He traveled all over the world. He ate the most exotic and most amazing foods, sat with presidents and and famous people, uh, made lots of money. You know, from the outside, here's a guy who seemingly had it all, but something was missing. Something was missing in his life. He was a drug addict. He was depressed. 
he was going to the wrong bread. He was trying to find his life from here. There's a lot of people in our world today that we rub shoulders with that are missing it. This won't do it, folks. Only Christ, only Jesus. When we eat him and when we drink him, believing that his death, his sacrificial death on the cross, the spilling of his blood and the breaking of his body on that cross for our sins to pay for what we have done and how we have rebelled against him. I'm going to ask us a question. What do you think is the, is the most um, greatest need for human beings today? What do you think the greatest need for human beings is today? What about maybe world peace? Where there's no more wars? Would that be the greatest need that we need today? What about... Um, what about to be understood and appreciated by everybody? Would that be a great human need? I think it might be. But let me tell you a story in the Bible about four friends who had a friend, a paralyzed friend. And they took this paralyzed friend and they heard that there was Jesus was in their, in their village. And they said, we've heard of this Jesus. This Jesus can heal This Jesus performs miracles. And we hear he's at the house down the street. We're going to take our friend to see this Jesus. Maybe he can heal our friend. So they take him. They carry him down the street. They get to the house. They can't get anywhere near the house. The crowd is full. The house is full. They're thinking, oh, if only we could get our friend who's been paralyzed to this Jesus. He could heal him. He could meet this. He could meet his need do this miracle in his life and he'll be healthy. How are we ever going to get in this room? How are we ever going to get into that house? Then one of them had an idea. Huh, why don't we just crawl on the roof, cut a hole in the roof and, and just lay him down in front of the feet of Jesus. We'll get right in front. We'll get, we'll get right to the front of the queue that way. That's what they do. They cut the hole. They, lay, they, they lower Jesus down. Jesus sees the faith of these friends he looks at this paralyzed man and said, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Wouldn't you think he would say, you're healed? No, your sins are forgiven. That is the greatest human need. We need to be, have our sins forgiven to come back in a relationship. So if you've walked away from him, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you have an opportunity to meet him, to meet the man that can meet your greatest need. To come into a relationship with him. He can give you purpose, meaning, joy, peace in your life. Yeah, you're going to face trials and all kinds of things like that. But you will meet the man who will meet your greatest needs. And that is Jesus. It's an interesting story. By the way, Jesus went on and healed the man. He said, take up your your pallet and walk. He does want to do those things. He does want to heal us. He does want to give us good things. But he doesn't want us to miss the real meaning and who he really is. That we need him. He needs to be our only sustenance. So, we've looked at a few things here this morning. We've looked at how we can see but not believe. 
how we can be hungry, but not really satisfied. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to us for a few minutes about what is the remedy for spiritual blindness and spiritual hunger. Peter sums it up in verse 68, where he says, And we have believed, we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have believed and we have come to know. So, come to know is the, is the spiritual remedy for hunger. Jesus says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says to all of us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. What a beautiful picture of fellowship that Jesus wants. But we need to open the door. If you're here this morning, you've never opened that door. You've never said, yes, I hear you, Jesus. I hear you knocking, but I'm not opening. This is your opportunity here this morning to get it right with Jesus. Open that door, let him in. You will never regret it. I've walked with Jesus for 39 years and I've never turned my back. Yeah, there's been times where I've had issues and problems and you know, I've faced you know, trials. and all. We, we all will, we will. We'll have questions and doubts. But Jesus was always with me for these 39 years. And he will be with you on day one or day 500, whatever it is. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's number one. Coming to know him. Number two, believe. See, Peter says, come to know and believe. Believe is a remedy for spiritual blindness. It says, drink his blood. Verse 40 says, for this is the will of my father that everyone that looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. That's what believing is. It's committing your life to him, putting your your trust in him, knowing that he has a purpose and a meaning and a plan for your life. You know, when we put our life in Jesus' hands, when we give him our life and we trust him, we can face any situation you know, when, when, when Jesus turned and said to his disciples after all the other ones left him, and he says, do you want to go also? Peter said, where should we go? Where else are we going to go? You know, and where else would we go? Ask yourself that question. Who else has the words of eternal life? We've tried all kinds of other things, other philosophies, other breads. They satisfy for a while maybe, but not forever. The last point I want to make this morning is Jesus is all you really want and Jesus is all you need. So as I preach this morning, I hope and I pray my deepest desire this morning is that we will find a way to go deeper with Jesus. We would commit our life to him, not look to what he can do for us, but how we can live for him.
That is what going with the gospel is all about. Having a deep devotional life with Jesus. You know, if you're not eating and drinking Jesus, you're malnourished. We need nourishment. We need this in our lives to give us purpose, meaning, to put a step and a spring in our step, to know we're, we're secure. So that when the waves of worry come against us, when the waves of, waves of cultural oppression come against us, when the waves of isolation come against us, that's right, the devil wants to isolate you. He wants to keep you isolated from each other. We need each other to encourage each other. We need to be, be eating and drinking of Jesus. We need to feel his peace and his joy in our lives I recently read this. Science says we need four basic elements to live, to survive. We need water, we need air, we need food, and we need light. And look what the Bible tells us about Jesus. In John chapter 4, it says, Jesus says, I am the living water. In Revelation 11, it says, I am the breath of life. John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. John chapter 9, I am the light of the world. See, science was right. We need Jesus to survive, folks. Amen? Amen? Peter says, where else would we go? Back to the bread? Or to Jesus? Only in Jesus will we find eternal life. To whom shall we go? To be really satisfied, all we need is him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. He wants us to live a full and happy life. But not to look to this for our fullness or happiness. But to look to him. Amen. Only when we become fully convinced that he is our savior and commit our life to him will we be fully satisfied. Only Jesus has the words of eternal life. 